from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello and welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Wow Report. We're doing what we love to do, counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. 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 And I wouldn't be here were it not for the amazing Tom Campbell, our creative director, daily inspiration, James St. James, editor oh. of the Wow Report, who are very nice to spend time with me once a week. Uh, oh, and Blake too. Blake, um, who will be asking us some questions later on. And I, of course, am Fenton Bailey, uh, co-founder of World of Wonder. So let's just dive in and start the countdown. Number 10. Number 10. I, um, first of all, I apologize. I'm, I'm broadcasting from my phone in a trailer in Silmar. So it's a very sexy life, I believe. But I'll try to speak clearly, which is I spent all of Sunday night binging six episodes. They seemed an hour long. I have no idea of the documentary series, The Last Two Movie Stars. I did the same thing. I can't wait to talk about this. It is, for those who don't know, a documentary about the um, movie stars and married couple Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. Uh, uh, the premise is enough to, to fill up my entire time, which is Ethan Hawke, the actor, uh, went to high school with one of the Newman children. They called him during the, the pandemic and said, would you direct a documentary about our parents as a couple? And he said, great. And he found out or heard that there were these, uh, an author had been working for years, who's passed away, who had all these recordings of Paul and Joanne and Gore Vidal and all the people they hung with and actors and, and all these kind of things and, and, and Paul's first wife and on and on. Well, then he finds out that those tapes were destroyed by Paul Newman at some point. He wasn't no longer interested. And so he's very depressed. And then he found out, Ethan Hawke, that they had discovered the Newman children, the transcripts of those tapes. So Ethan, in the middle of the pandemic, as demonstrated on the beginning of the documentary where he is narrating the whole thing on Skype with people, he assembles his actor friends, George Clooney, Laura Linney, Mark Ruffalo, on and on and on to uh, perform the transcripts as a way of keeping them alive. So some archival video from the movies is also included, but they also include video images from their movies that uh, have, they don't put the sound out. They have nothing that, that, that sort of visually represent what their, the, the recreated interviews are talking about. So it's, it's, and there's interviews with Ethan Hawke kind of talking to his friends and his daughters and things. So at first my head hurt because I was trying to think, what's a real interview? What's a fake interview? What am I looking at? And then there I just, are a lot of real interviews interspersed from archival interviews from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s with Joanne and, and Paul Newman and right. Gore Vidal and everybody. So you have real interviews with them. You have fake interviews with them, but, but real transcripts with them. And I just want to interject very quickly Please. to say that it's all very meta and it's all fascinating. And the idea is to try and rediscover Paul Newman's oeuvre, which he sort of got lost a little bit in the in the Marlon Brando, James Dean shuffle of the 50s. And he really is a seminal figure in cinema history, but 
people he he's more remembered for the race cars and the in the salad dressing and his big blue eyes than than some of his actual movies, which we go back and rediscover HUD and Cool Hand Luke and all of that. But, but it also it also uh, when I you know jo- Paul Newman is such a hunk a hunk of man, and Joanne Woodward again in this documentary helps. Uh, with her, with her oeuvre too, yes. Yes, but when they met, what's interesting to me is they met when they were both understudies for Picnic. Uh, whoever Paul was understudying left the play, and so Paul ended up being the star of the play. They fell in love. He was married. They were together, Paul Newman and Joan Woodward, having an affair for five years while Paul Newman was married to another woman and raising young children. And, but, and, but they were—they also were. It was important to note that they were both at the actor's studio at the time when the actor's studio, Stanislavski, and all that stuff was really. And so they're actors, actors. And at the time, Joanne ends up becoming the bigger star and is the wins the Academy Award. And he's just sort of a hunk who is be, not being utilized correctly. And then later, his career really takes off, and hers, she stays home to to take care of the kids and does projects prestige projects but she doesn't ever end up nearing his, his yes. superstar status. that's kind of the amazing thing when they got married she won the oscar for three faces of eve and he starred in the robe which is one of the worst like pictures of all time but then and then joanne woodward who we, we kind of dismissed she felt like she ended up helping raising the first three children of paul newman plus they had three of their own it's a very connecticut story and a lot of her ambition had to be you know, balanced with raising a family. And she was jealous of Shirley MacLaine for getting all her roles. And Shirley said to her and these like, honey, you got to have an image, (laughs) which I think is such great um, inspiration. One of the the problems with this is it's such a deep dive. It is such an incredible, Incredible micro uh, in- investigation into their lives that it's six episodes for six hours of listening to Joanne Woodward's career really is a bit much. And as much as you love them and, and walk away realizing how incredible they were, it is. Does it really need to be six episodes? I will just say I felt that way at the beginning. I hear what you're saying. I surrendered my Sunday night to Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman, like literally the whole night. And by the end, it warmed, it warmed me up because any relationship that lasts is fascinating. You know what I'm saying? The sacrifice we'll make for each other. It's revealed, which I didn't really know. Paul Newman was basically a very high functioning alcoholic throughout the seventies and part of the eighties. You know, Paul Newman had HUD and all those big movies in the sixties. Then he really flourished as a sex symbol. Really, really, during Butch casting the Sundance Kid and the Sting. But after that, there was this lull where he was making kind of movies where he just sort of was, wasn't really being himself. You know, wasn't really, didn't really have anything to say. And then he did a movie called uh, The Verdict, where he kind of played a, a, a version of himself who was like, he's a beat-up lawyer, he's drunk, he can barely pull it together, but he still succeeds. And everyone thought he was going to get the Oscar for that, and he didn't. Paul never won the Oscar up to that point, but eventually does Color of Money. With Tom Cruise, yes, um, which was was an amazing moment of two huge movie stars. You know, asset to sell out. It really well, was. Hey, you guys, you can obviously go on for hours on this. It does okay. sound sort of fascinating. If very, uh, I hate this word whenever it is used in my presence. If it sounds very niche, uh, <laughs> a little bit. It's on HBO Max. It was produced by CNN. Yep. It is a little precious. 
Um, and, and you just have to, yes, if you want to surrender to it. The only thing I I'll say if... which is interesting is Joanne Woodward, surprising things, is that Joanne Woodward said, I love my children. She was a real, like, maternal person. She was, I love my children, and I hope they don't feel bad hearing this, but if I had to do it all again, I wouldn't have had children. <laughs> that, well, it, that it got in the way of her. At one point, she said her life, because it got in the way of her career, and she goes, I think actors are lousy parents. But oh. And in the end, as we know, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward raised hundreds of millions of dollars for charity, which is a great, a great legacy. Sorry. That's a good note to end on. Um, I think we're done. That's it for this show. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we're going to move on to number nine. Number nine. Nope, 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 nope. I saw the movie Nope at the theater over the weekend. Nope, the new Jordan Peele, uh, writer-director Jordan Peele. It is a horror, sci-fi, thriller, comedy. You're giving me a funny face, Benson. No, I, no I was, and it's filmed on IMAX. It's an IMAX movie. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I saw it at the theater. It's, um, it's you know, he did uh, Us and Get Out. He's he's very famous for, for working with Daniel Kaluuya. Um, this stars... Um, uh, Kiki Palmer, uh, Sean, uh, Steve Young, who is so so hot, Stephen Young from Walking Dead, and for you, Tom, it also stars Donna Mills from Knott's Landing. Uh, so, yes, it's it's a it's a story. It um it takes place in the desert, and it's there's uh, an alien spaceship maybe who's maybe eating horses and eating people we don't quite understand what's going on um there's also a story about a, a chimpanzee who goes berserk and eats all these people during a filming a kitty show i what happened was i was a little uh, I, it's a scary movie and i was biting my fingernails and as i'm biting my fingernails my tooth chips in half my front veneer breaks and I freaked the fuck out and started hyperventilating in the theater. All I could think is $3,000, $3,000, $3,000. How am I going to do this? So I didn't see the last half of the movie. I have no idea what the hell any of it meant. So I <laughs> just sat there with my, my hands covering my eyes going, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And my sister's like, you know, mean, you know, jabbing me in the ribs saying, shut the fuck up. And so I, you know, but apparently the movie is doing very well and it's very scary. <laughs> but if someone wants to explain to me what the chip story, chimp story was about, please. I feel like, I feel like all the reviews have, have said that it's fascinating, but people seem a little confused by it. They're afraid to criticize it. I don't know if that's true. Well, it is true. And there is, it is very, the, what ends up being the real story is, is very it's not what you think it's going to be. Um, I do just want to sort of end up by saying that I got a temporary uh, uh, tooth fix right here. You can sort of see, you can't really Good. tell. But the problem with it is, is that I can no longer bite into food. I have to chop everything up into tiny little pieces and eat on the sides of my mouth. I can't ever use my front two teeth for any food. So it is applesauce, pudding, and baby food from now on. And oh, is that for the rest of your life? Or is that just a I can afford $3,000 for a tooth. So it looks like it's going to be a couple of years. The only thing you use your front teeth for is uh, corn on the cob, right? 
No, you you think that until you actually realize that you can't ever bite into a hamburger, you can't ever bite into a bun, you can't ever bite into a piece of bread or noodles or anything. James, get a blender and drink that hamburger. Well, you know, when we were growing up, we had a gardener named Old Joe, and he was about 90 years old, and he didn't have a jaw bone. He, it was taken out with cancer. And so every night, we would puree the leftover food, and someone would have to go and bring it to Old Joe, and it would be like steak pureed steak or pureed you know like catfish or whatever we were eating and it was so disgusting and so now i've turned into old joe all right um so that's a good review of nope i i it's the review is as mysterious it sounds as the movie itself (laughs) number eight number eight um i want to ask your opinion about this so the gap yeezy yeezy gap right kanye west two years ago now did this huge deal with the gap then nothing happened for two years and now it's now it's happening and i think the actual name is yeezy gap engineered by balenciaga and and the first thing i was aware of was this um the times square uh uh flagship store of the gap in in times square in new york completely sort of gutted and they just put giant industrial bins filled with the clothes. And, and then I saw this, this ad, a video ad of, of a huge pile of clothes, a sort of just a sort of mountain of clothes. And then one store clerk in front of it at a black container. And there's a customer with a piece of clothing and the, the store guy pulls out what looks like a gun. You feel it's about to get shot, but it, it's actually a scanner and scans it. And it's very, the whole thing is very dark, very minimal. And then the other thing they did was they did these uh, dumps, these uh, dystopian drops where these black vans went to parking lots in cities and they dumped all the clothes into basically dumpsters. And then people were allowed to dumpster dive. I mean, I oh, think that's they, disgusting. That well, is so vile. It's all visually really weird. It's all everything's black. People in hoodies, but they've they've got a black face mask on, so you can't see their faces. They're wearing gloves. They're wearing Wellington boots. It's sort of, it's a little. It's a lot Squid Game actually, but but in black. Did you ever watch Squid Game? No, but it's oh. that look. It's that sinister look. Someday we're going to get you to watch damn Squid Game. I, I I just don't know what to make of the whole thing. I mean, here's I, the thing. Because, yeah, first of all, that's, yeah. Okay, Yeezy, I don't get the aesthetic of his of his designs anyway. Right. I think it's it's too I, I think it's silly and minimalist in a way that is not interesting. I think it's right. boring. Right. I think he's crazy and isn't relevant anymore. And I think Balenciaga is is overplayed and silly. So I think the whole thing is just <laughs> ridiculous. James says nope. <laughs> I say nope. But I, you know, the, uh, earlier in the year, Balenciaga did that amazing fashion show in the snowstorm, and the models were carrying their clothes in black plastic garbage bags. And and I was sort of conceptually sort of taken by this ultra-minimal idea of, well, let's get rid of racks and hangers, and let's not present the goods in a... Let's not do packaging. Let's not... 
Let's just. But I don't like the idea of putting it into a dumpster and have people dumpster dive for clothes because that to me seems like it's fetishizing the the how you know. It's a power play of sorts. It is, and it's very sort of sinister and yeah, and and cynical. Yeah, I don't quite know what to make of it. The other interesting thing is, you know, as an alliance of brands, you know, Kanye West hotter than hot with his Adidas shoes, and then the Gap, which since 2013 has just been going down, 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 down. And, you know, you, but then on the other hand, two years ago, they did this deal and they've only, there's only like 18 items that you can buy in a collection. Like it's like, it's well, that's what he always does. His collection is always like three beige, t- you know, t-shirts with three beige pairs of shorts and a pair of beige, you know, <laughs> socks. But that's the interesting thing, too, is that I do see kids wearing like the trajectory of fashion seems to be less and less and less. And Balenciaga, like, OK, so the tape wrapping Kim Kardashian in the tape was sort of a stunt. But and carrying the clothes in garbage bags, sort of a stunt. But it does seem like just people are wearing onesies and sort of uh, leggings. That seems to be it. Like I was way ahead of my time. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. I, I just, I, James, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Relevant. I, I don't feel he's relevant anymore. I feel, I like fear I'm irrelevant and I just don't get it, you know? No, I, I, I wonder only... how much they pay him and how does it ever pay off? Like, how yeah. does it ever monetize? Do they really get more people in the store because they came in? Maybe they do. You know, but it, it seems I always that's always the back of my mind. Like, how much are they paying this guy? And how many how how would you want to be on a, like how many conference calls would you want to be on with like with Kanye? Well, that's yeah. the, the, to, lots of interesting <laughs> things that Tom, because on the one hand, Kanye is this artist who doesn't believe in deadlines and schedules and just does whatever he wants when he wants it. And the gap, it's like fast fashion is a machine that runs on deadlines and very tight margins and. It's crazy. I guess uh, beige beige sweater sets never go out of style. I guess not. You see, that's the width. It, it's a complete mismatch in one sense, but in another sense, it might be a perfect fit. But, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that there was one item they released before the two years that have passed, and it was a puffer jacket that had no seams and it had no buttons or zips. You couldn't close it. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm struck. I'm struck. <laughs> You're speechless. I'm speechless. So, Blake, take us to the break with a question. <laughs> um, what was the first European country to legalize same-sex marriage? All right, we'll have the answer right after the break because every month is Pride Month here uh, on the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. That make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and Tom and Blake. Yeah, and I asked a question. It's about a hot button topic recently, and um, our even our number one is about it. So you'll have to wait wait around to see what our number one is. Um, what was the first European country to legalize same sex marriage? I'm going to say like a Denmark or Netherlands or something like that. Maybe I'm going to go with Switzerland. I'm wrong. I'm going to say Italy. Uh-huh. James, it's the Netherlands. Well, there you hey. go. Yeah. 
They are very progressive, aren't they? Yes, they are. We are counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number seven. Number seven. I'm going to make up for going over my first thing, <laughs> which I think was largely interrupted by James. Um, we like, <laughs> made all the points I wanted to make, but that's another topic. Um, I'm going to hold that resentment till next week. Um, <laughs> there's one brief, beautiful thing you can do for yourself if you haven't already. And that is listen to Joni Mitchell performing uh, a, a live at the Newport, Rhode Island Folk Festival last weekend. Both sides now. She, it's, it's, she, you know, uh, was, was, was considered dead at one point, had to relearn to sing, to walk. She's very fragile. She's, I don't know how old she is. She's very old. And Brandy Carlisle and Winona Judd were there. I have all, I, you know, I always bow down to Brandy Carlisle because she is the Lady Gaga of country folk. Because the way that Lady Gaga worked with Tony Bennett and Liza Minnelli, Brandy has worked with Tandy Tucker and regenerated her. And now with Joni Mitchell. And she was at Winona's you know, at, at Naomi Judd's uh, memorial. But she did a lot of songs and you can listen to all of them. But there's, the song Both Sides Now is so simple and so profound that when, and I didn't know it when it first came out, I found it later, but like, it really, again, I'm a simpleton, but like, I listened to that song, I think, I think she was 19 when she wrote it. It's like, how did someone of human, <laughs> from earth, Think of those words and think of those songs and express those sentiments as purely and beautifully. Obviously, Judy Collins had a huge hit with it, but um, it's amazing. And it, it also reminds me of one more thing, and I'm going to cut this short because I went over last time, is I used to say, after I saw um, Peggy Lee at the Hollywood Bowl in the 80s, in the last year of her life, when she was just seated and to perform, I, I, I reminded myself, become famous very young for doing something that takes very little energy. And you can do it your whole life. And that was Peggy Lay. Because you can be like, Viva, you know, like sexy or just in a chair. Viva, I'm on fire. Viva, all night. To a certain extent, Joni Mitchell was Is able. Is that all there? Yeah. And Joni Mitchell was able to recreate her greatest hits because they're simple and, the, and, and their, their actual structure is, and their words and the sentiment is so rich. Um, and just coincidentally, I didn't go see it, but Billie Eilish, was, do, was at a, uh, at the Hollywood Bowl. I drove by, I didn't go in, uh, saluting Peggy Lee and Frank Sinatra. I thought Billie Eilish is That's famous, crazy. very young for doing very little. And she'll be famous for the rest of her life whispering those songs. But also with the Joni Mitchell, didn't she had a, a series of strokes and had to relearn how to sing, which was because oh. I read, I watched the clip and read the, the story and I that was an amazing recovery. Yes, like, she was very, she, she was I think we thought she was dead at one point. There might have been false reports of her passing. Um, and doesn't but, she also oh, suffer now from like Morgellons disease? Which is that disease where the black, where the things, the spikes come out of your skin? I didn't know. I, I'm a wimp about medical things. I don't go too deep. But I just, mm. I, like, there's, she performed many of her songs, but if you want to take three, four minutes, whatever it is, and watch her. Mm. It's like handheld. It's not professional. And just listen and watch her singing both sides now, Joni Mitchell. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I dare you not to uh, well up with emotion and tears. Very beautiful. That was at the Newport Folk Festival recently. I, I think it was her first time back on stage in nine years or something. Gee, wow. Awesome. Let's go on to number six. Number six. 
Number six, I watched The Gray Man on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen this. It's their big blockbuster movie of the summer. It stars Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Billy Bob Thornton, and Anna de Armas from West Side Story. And Ryan Gosling, handsome as ever, so great. I love him. He is a CIA operative, CIA assassin who is on the run after the CIA has decided that he needs to be eliminated. And so they've sent their, they've sent all the CIA to come and, and, and kill him. They put a bounty on his head. So he's on the run. He's in, you know, it goes, one of those, one of those movies is, it's in Bangkok. It's in Shanghai. It's in, you know, it's in, you know, Paris and Monaco and every, every other scene is someplace glamorous and they're jumping off buildings and everybody's trying to, you know, shoot everybody and then shoot them up. Bang, bang, bang. And there's some really amazing, amazing scenes. There's one scene where there's a plane that's exploding and he leaps out of the plane and he still manages to live. And he's so great. And Chris Evans, who is doing, uh, who is the bad guy, he's a psychotic evil guy who's trying to kill him. He's as far from Captain America as he's ever going to be. And he's relishing every moment of getting to play the bad guy. Ryan Gosling has not made a movie in five years because he has been, um, with his, he, he took five years off to be with his kids and his wife, Ava, or his, his girlfriend, Ava Mendez, and just leave Hollywood behind. So this is his comeback, his big comeback before the Barbie movie. And you forget just how, not only how handsome he is and how charismatic and just what a great actor he is. He's got this sort of George Clooney-like, Brad Pitt-like, just sort of like he just tosses it off. It's just so effortless for him to be a a movie star and he is probably the biggest star on the planet right now if you think about it who's who's working you know like you know brad pitt is still there george clooney is still there but he's in that same sort of that that genre that that area of of movie stardom and just to watch him and chris evans and billy bob thornton all just sort of clash with each other it's just a fantastic movie it's very long and we've seen this plot before a thousand times but they make it fresh and i just really recommend it Oh, wow. Um, I, I read this. I can't remember who. I read it on Twitter. But someone was saying that it was a really bloody movie with an incredible body count. And they were yeah. disappointed by that. Did you? Did, you, did that cross your mind? It's weird because there's so much carnage and so many bang, bang, bang. They take guns and they're just shooting up and there's collateral damage and citizens are being, you know, buses are running into groups of people and everyone's dying. And you keep thinking, this doesn't seem like 2022. It really, it feels like something from the 80s. It just, it's very weird to be seeing so much death and gun violence and and buses exploding and people exploding. But it, it's I, I wasn't it, it is weird. I, I will agree with you that it is very strange to see in 2022. And it's a huge topic that can't be answered now. But like there is something about our fetishization in entertainment yes. with yes. with 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 violence and gun violence and everything else. And then our our surprise when people sort of take mass shootings that they hear about for granted. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you feel like this was an act. There's like a a theory behind it or a reasoning behind it that I just couldn't quite put my fingers on, mm. but it did seem like a very archaic um, notion. You're right, mm. I guess. All right. That's The Gray Man on Netflix. Number five. Number five. Uh, trend alert. I mean, we've talked about this subject many, many times. Oh, here we on go. The, <laughs> on the WOW Report. 
But I can report now that according to the New York Times, so it's it's real, it's official, <laughs> there is a trend for cannibals. <laughs> cannibals are trending. <clears throat> and they're trending in the realm. Have they of ever been out of style, though? <laughs> novels. Not here. <laughs> Cannibal novels are trending. I am now going to talk about a book I have not read, but have every intention of reading <laughs> before next week. It's called A Certain Hunger, and it is by a woman called Chelsea G. Summers, which is actually her pseudonym. And it's about a food female food critic who eats men. And that is her raison d'etre. And... Um, is, is this a metaphor for something or is it? Well, you know, it's the New York Times. So, darling, of course, it has to be a metaphor for something. <laughs> um, it's, a meta, it's a history of the Internet, apparently. Haven't read the book. Couldn't tell you how. Eating men is a history of the Internet. Um, it is apparently democratized writing and steamrolled the playing field of criticism. Again, I couldn't tell you how. Um, it does make the point as a feminist argument about you know, that when it comes to serial killers, generally women aren't portrayed as serial. It's normally a man's job, you know, and that, uh-huh. you know, so the, the author said that, you know, feminism comes to all things, but it comes to recognizing homicidal rage the slowest. Interesting, oh. because just this week there was um, a woman who uh, was a mass who went and was a mass murderer. I don't know if you saw the story. She mm-hmm. went into, into open fire, I think, at a a grocery store? Where was it? Dallas Love? There was a woman that, yeah, but she didn't kill anyone, James. I don't believe. She didn't. Oh, there's, okay, yeah. But she, but it is, it, it mm. did sort of like stop me in my tracks thinking, well, yeah. Yeah. And, and they sort of, you know, the New York Times, sort of, it's a sort of think piece. Um, so where does this come from? Where is it going and why? Um, they say the yellow jackets really kind of fueled the success of this book. Uh, she couldn't find a publisher, but that pilot episode of Yellow Jackets that begins with a, a cannibal kind of um, scenario, right? Um, I haven't seen I haven't seen Yellow Jackets either. So it's amazing. I know I, I haven't watched it either, but everyone is raving about it, saying it's the best show on TV. And then, of course, coming up is uh, Bones and All, Timothy Chalamet's new film. Oh, well, but isn't that just the sequel to Tell Me You Love Me or Say My Name? Oh, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, Same director, but I believe there's some cannibal. Was it a shame they didn't have Army Hammer, who was our most famous cannibal? Well, there you go. Thank you. Well, we slam Army for for saying he wants to bite someone's toe. And uh, and, and And here he is on the cusp of a trend. Exactly. (laughs) He's an my early adopter, clearly. <laughs> my favorite book is a book about cannibals, uh, two serial killer cannibals. Oh, is what that is the that Poppy's Deep Bright? Yeah, Exquisite Corpse. Oh, I do like that book. Yes, it is a really, it's a really good book. And uh, and for those who want to know more, there's a book um, that's been out for some time called Cannibalism, A Perfectly Natural History. And, and Bill Shutt, the author of that, says that uh, fictional plots about eating human flesh are as old as literature itself. Well, you know, one of my favorite short stories of all time is Stephen King's Lady Fingers, in which there's the guy on the island and he uh, has no food and there's no food and he ends up having to chop off one finger at a time and eat it. And he ends up eating his arm. And then by the end, he's eaten his whole body. It's it's just spoiler uh, alert. Thank you. Right. Well, the book is 30 years old. I think it's. it's, it's, Well, I've never heard of it and I wanted to read it. 
That's I want to suggest something. Um, James has reviewed a movie he didn't complete watching. You've <laughs> reviewed a book that you haven't read. I think we should do a whole wow report where we just talk about things we haven't seen or read and give Nobody's strong opinions. Yellow jackets been yet. Tom, that's what we do every week. <laughs> <laughs> You're on to me. You're on to me. You've just said hey. the quiet part out loud. <laughs> hey, snatch your tickets to DragCon UK. It's in January, but giving you fair warning because you can meet queens from Drag Race UK, Drag Race France, Drag Race España, Drag Race Holland. Drag Race Italia and it's USA, yeah, and of course, yeah, Drag Race USA. It's going to be the biggest weekend in Drag Race history, happening January sixth, seventh, and eighth. Tickets at RuPaul'sDragCon.com. And since we're plugging things, I'll just remind you tonight: the finale episode of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars Series Seven tonight, Paramount Plus here in the states. Craven Out TV in Canada and Stan in Australia. And of course, everywhere else, Wow Presents Plus. We'll take a quick break. Blake? Uh, which state became the first to legalize civil unions for same-sex couples? Civil unions. As opposed to marriage, right? Right. All right. Which state? Okay, so it has to be in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. <laughs> we'll be for you right yes. after the break. <laughs> You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Fenton here with James St. James, Tom Campbell, and Blake Jacobs. Hi. Um, hi. I want to know if you guys know which state became the first to legalize civil unions for same-sex couples. I believe it was either like Massachusetts or New Hampshire or something. Tom, what do you remember any of this? I feel like it's Vermont or Massachusetts. Oh, Vermont probably sounds right too. Yeah. I'm going to say Florida, of course. (laughs) (laughs) James and Tom, you're right. It's Vermont. There you go. There you go. Why are we having this gay marriage theme? Well, our number one just might have to deal with gay marriage. You'll have to stay stay tuned to find out. I love Blake it. knows how to produce a show, huh? <laughs> All right. All I can do is count and even barely that. We've reached number four of the top 10 things this week that made us go, wow. Number four. I'm going to keep it short because I realize I overspoke my first segment. Oh, no. We are never going to hear the end of this one now. Oh, dear God. <laughs> but I want to talk about three people very quickly and with oh, great reverence. Yeah. First of all, Tony Dow, Wally from Leave It to Beaver, an iconic show, an iconic character, and a cutie pie. I think yeah. a lot of people's first crush, right? He, well, he was my, yeah, definitely, definitely. He yeah. was so hot, and I don't really even see him black and white. Yes, I love that. And he, there was, uh, there was, he has passed away. Rest in perfection, Tony Dow. He um, uh, passed away of cancer. There was a little, there was an announcement of his death uh, prior, the day prior to his death. He was in the hospice. God bless all the people in hospice who take care of people. And God bless Tony and his uh, wife and children. And it's just, you know, it's a selfish reaction because, you know, Tony Dow and Wally from Leave it to Beaver is such just a pillar and a touchstone of pop culture and how we view the world. Leave it to Beaver especially. It's always, you know, oh, it's very Leave it to Beaver. She dressed like, Leave, you know, it's just 
and, and Eddie Haskell is is the is a is, yeah. Yes. I mean, so many of these the names. Uh, so it's and he was apparently he um until the very end he would go to uh you know con- conventions and he was very with his yeah. gay fans he was wonderful with them he would yeah. sign shirtless pictures without ever yeah. you know he was just apparently an all around wonderful guy. And he, his his career transferred into he was a very active and productive uh, director of television and things. So you know he yeah. had a great great career. I hope a great life. The other person who's very sick right now, I heard about it, I told about this, James, yesterday, it's very upsetting, is Ruth Buzzy uh, from Laughing Fame and More has experienced a series of strokes, uh, according to the internet. I have stayed close to Ruth Buzzy because of Twitter. Um, I, I saw her on Twitter, and she's hysterical on Twitter. She's hilarious. She tells funny jokes. She's, she's rude. Real dad jokes. Real corny, corny yes, dad jokes. She's rude without good. being lewd, and I heard the expression catterday. From Ruth Buzzy first. She loves her cats and she posts something every Catterday. So sending her love and good vibes. I don't know what her prognosis is. She she used to be a, a neighbor and a close friend of my friends, Art and Charlie, who lived off of Malaga. I think she's in Texas now. But she was she's a great uh, person and uh, a, a, a great, great uh, part of our comedy landscape. And uh, last but not least, some good news. Norman Lear. A hundred years old this week and still productive and still bright. I mean, really, I always say, I said this to Randy Fenton or at least to Randy and Randy always goes, ah. I'm like, we're in our Norman Le- Lear years. Because, <laughs> you know, careers can come and go and they start to think about retirement and Norman Lear, while he was changed still his doing One day at a time. He just did one day at a time in his late 90s. Yes, and Netflix. And there's going to be a special on on ABC. And, and I... Uh, not that it's all about me, but I worked for Norman Lear. I forget this, but my summer of 84 to 85, I cast extras at Embassy Television, which is what his company was. And for I cast the extras for Facts of Life and the Jeffersons in their 11th season. So, uh, and that was when uh, Different Strokes was going on. It was the second wave, right? It was the 80s wave of Norman Lear. The 70s, of course, was all in the family. Mod, uh, all that stuff. So he really did have, you know, for, for me, who's learned everything from watching television, as RuPaul says, and who is so and still makes television, speaks in television, Norman Lear was such, and his mind and his brain and his creativity was such an important uh, education for me as a young person, and I carry it with me today. And can also, I, like, like, never retire. Just don't stop. What's no, the exactly. Can I bring you down a little bit, though? Can I know you wanted to end on a high note there, but uh, a couple of celebrities who are not doing well that I just learned about that were really upsetting to me. Uh, Barbara Walters, who <sighs> is suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia, and is apparently uh, it, 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 it's, it's quite bad, and she is agitated and angry and mm. is it's she's doing not doing very well. And the other person who has very bad dementia and Alzheimer's is Jack Nicholson. Who oh. is uh, for is is incapacitated and bedridden and not doing too well either? And I just learned both those this week. And they, someone like Barbara Walters, who is so all about her brain and, and being, you know, on top of everything, and it just it just really hurts me to think that she's suffering the way she is. Well, back to my first segment, which went a little long. Um, Joanne Wood, you know, Paul Newman passed away, but Joanne oh. Woodward. Um, lives yeah. in, is living in dimension now, so she's she, her body's with us, but her mind is gone. So yeah. it's yeah. Uh, it's 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 not a rare thing. But God bless them all and bless their families. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I will just tell you though, when you do, if you do live to be a hundred, you will get a letter uh, and a birthday card from the Queen of England. 
Well, not in America. Isn't it just British subjects? I guess so, yes. But I I was just going to tell, my godmother is, bless her, is 100 years old. Oh, wow. uh, she um, She got the card. That's wow. so nice. Because yeah. so, we in America, all we got was Willard Scott. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we had our face in a Smucker's jelly bottle. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> May we all live to be many centuries old. Um, we all live to get our face on a Smucker's jelly jar. Here we are, age 600 years old. <laughs> the wow reports. Um, number three. Number three. Number three, I, I will keep this one short too. I watched um, the Bob's Burgers movie on HBO Max. I am a Bob's Burger fanatic. To me, it is like Golden Girls to you. It is my go-to every single night to go to sleep. It is the funniest show on television. It cracks me up. I am a Linda Belcher through and through. Um, uh, it this is a full-length movie, and it's um, it's uh just sort of like a base it's it's a longer episode than what it usually is and it starts off with a a big musical number and they do really amazing musical numbers they're very famous for for their really fabulous over-the-top numbers the best one that they've ever done is bad stuff happens in the bathroom and if you ever get a chance to youtube bad stuff happens in the bathroom it is such an amazing it belongs on broadway they could do a whole show about that this one this is the um, sunny side of summer is the opening theme song it's really fantastic but the weird thing about this is this this movie and all this is the big point is that it's scarier than you think it's it is really goes very dark and very bleak and there's some scenes that are just going to traumatize children you know like bambi or finding nemo there is some there is i'm just spoiler alert And it's this whole plot. And you think, you should have kids. Like, I went to bed, like, thinking about. I It's it's terrifying. So um, I don't know if we should actually cut that part out because it is a big spoiler. But it's very strange that there's. <laughs> but there, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it is. It's just, it goes very dark and very bleak for, for a very funny show. After reading Tom for, for spoiling <laughs> the whole plot of the Bob's Burgers movie. Now, is it streaming on Hulu or HBO, James? I think it's Paramount. I, it's actually, I think it's on HBO Max, with, and if it's on Hulu with a subscription. Oh, okay, okay. Uh-oh, what do I know? Bob's Burgers movie is streaming on HBO Max. All right, number two. Number two. Sex in Space. I haven't talked about that before, have we? Um, the new development is that apparently the Russians wanted to gather some sperm and they don't elaborate why, but the, all the cosmonauts said no. Um, apparently having sex in space is not very easy or very comfortable or pleasurable. I and- have a, you know, I think that it's actually quite deadly. I think that not, not only... Not only does the fact that the sperm goes everywhere and into a million droplets and you bounces off of everything, but right. I think the actual act of uh, of trying to get an erection and pulling at it is is uh, deadly or painful. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling I'm, embarrassed. Keep going. <laughs> you pull at it, James. What's going on here? The uh, yeah, apparently zero gravity makes it shrivel somewhat, makes the penis shrivel. And yes. Um, an expert, I, I don't know who that was, says that three female astronauts can be impregnated by the same man because it, it sperm finds a way, as um, 
to borrow the. Uh, oh, now how would sperm find a way in zero gravity? To how would it end would up it just floating around? And I guess a little tiny sperm. You can't even probably see an individual sperm, but I guess it knows where to go and has some. Just what makes that little old sperm thinks he can move that rubber tree plant? <laughs> but back here on Earth, um, Blake alerted me to this shocking story about a man who put pop rocks, you know, the candy that you put in your mouth and it explodes. Well, guess what he did with that? He put them under his foreskin for an erotic thing. Now, James, you texted me that you had done this. Oh, I was kidding. And you bought it. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. I do it all the time. It's fantastic. I love. I'm doing it right now. I did. I did read that that may have been an online hoax, though. Yes, I convinced it's not. It was one thing. It was in the Sunday Sport, which is one of Britain's site news of the world. One of those tabloids that's completely full of fictional stories. Number one. Number two. It's seven years old, this article. I, I mean, know, like, yeah. this is supposed to be the wow report. Things that make you go wow in the previous week, not the last seven years. It does make you think, like, what else can you do with Pop Rocks? Can you put them I in I know. Butt? I'm thinking can of it right now. I mean, I just saw the headline, and I was like, this would be perfect for the show. Right. But, but what happens if you snort them? I mean, is your brain going to explode? If you put it in your butt, will, you, will your, you know, sphincter... A normal person's brain would explode. James, yours wouldn't even register. <laughs> well, apparently, the problem for Gareth Pemberton was that <laughs> after he... After that he, is a fake name if I've ever heard Exactly. It. After he had pleasured himself, he didn't think that he should perhaps wash his penis. And so the the in the fleshy folds, the, the Pop Rocks kind of... Form the, the hideous cheese is what you're saying. The cheese got 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 poppy, and he ended up collapsing in the high street. Had to be taken to hospital, and had to be undergo an emergency circumcision to avoid necrotizing fasciitis. So I don't, I don't, I'm not going to try it myself. But it just sounds <laughs> wrong. I put it in my mouth. It doesn't hurt us. It doesn't hurt your mouth. How's it going to hurt the head of your? I don't get it. Well, it's going to hurt you if you don't clean it out after you're done. That's the moral but of the I story. But I imagine the cleaning out, if you add water to it, you're going to pop. It's going to pop, pop, pop all over your penis. Well, I think that was the original. That was the idea, was it not? I mean. <laughs> yeah, like the, sweat the, or like. The leather. layers upon layers of this story. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. Drag Race Down Under. Let's clean up the tone here. Drag Race Down Under premieres tomorrow, July 6th. 30th on where it presents plus worldwide of course except uh canada uk and down under where it's on bbc stan and uh little what's on kind of crave of course so um knock yourself out with that and we'll be right back after the break with the number one thing this week that made us go wow you're listening to world of wonders wow report things that make us go wow and welcome back to the wow report Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. We've been counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow. And we've reached number one. Number one. There was a, a gay wedding that happened this week. And uh, the father of one of the grooms is a senator or a congressman. I can't remember. It's who... Representative Glenn Thompson from Pennsylvania. And he had just voted against 
gay marriage and gay rights and then had the nerve to show up at his son's gay wedding. And the internet is, uh, you know, first of all, why would you invite your father? What, you know, what, what, what is going on? Blake, do you want to continue on with this a little bit? The son of Representative Glenn Thompson said he married the love of his life on Friday and that his father was there. And so Thompson's press secretary, Miss Madison Stone, she said Congressman and Miss Thompson were thrilled to attend and celebrate their son's marriage on Friday night as he began this new chapter in his life. They, well, are, very is, they are very happy to welcome their new son-in-law into their family. Well, it is that Republican thing of laws for thee and not laws for me, right. but not for thee. Yes. Oh, exactly. And, and, and the hypocrisy of so many, uh, you know, it, right. it, like it doesn't, COVID doesn't matter until it happens to me. You know, It's I mean, almost it's, like it's a genetic thing where people can't actually show empathy. You know what I mean? They can only think of themselves and, the, and, and their family and they can't actually like project that onto society and other people. It's really uh, not surprising and yet always deeply frightening. Well, just last week, the same uh, spokesperson for the, the senator. They said in an email last week to a local newspaper, Stone called for the called the Respect for Marriage Act nothing more than an election year messaging stunt for Democrats in Congress who have failed to address historic inflation and out of control prices at gas pumps and grocery stores. So just a week ago they were singing a different tune. Yeah, politics. Yuck. So Okay, well, there you go. Anyway, I'd like to go back to my first segment and talk a little bit more about <laughs> Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman, please. <laughs> like three hours in the middle that we didn't even touch on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Wow Report on Radio Andy Sirius XM. That's all we have time for this week, I'm afraid. But, Tom, thank you. Thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. And thank you all for listening. Um, same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes, makes the, world the world go, go wow. wow.